0: The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptismokopani.com. I'm going to preach from the book of uh, Corinthians today, 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at six positive principles for proper practice. People are always looking for laws. To obey they're looking for ways that will sort of like keep them within the boundaries but the problem when we look for laws to obey is that we're always looking for loopholes in those laws to break and that's pretty much the human mind and God is a little bit smarter than we are so he's not giving us laws to obey He's giving us principles to obey. And these principles can really help us in our fight with our flesh and with our fight against sin and all of these different things. So this will help us, I believe, to have a more healthy Christian life is if we can obey these Uh, Or follow these principles and apply them in our lives. Amen. So let's just pray father we all have a struggle in our lives that we are constantly faced with and Constantly struggle with But your word does have the answer Not only in the word but in the Holy Spirit that gives us the grace to be what you want us to be. So we pray Holy Spirit that you would be present uh, in, in, in the preaching of the word and anointing it and taking it deep into our hearts this morning Lord and that we would be encouraged as we face some of the things that we face in this life uh, and in our struggles and we thank you Father in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So uh, in 1908 there was a an American football game that was being played um, between two uh, really rival teams and the coach name was Pop Warner and he had a, a way of Not breaking the rules but manipulating the rules so he really wanted his team to win against this rival gang or this rival team so what he did was on the jersey in front yeah, on the chest where you would normally carry a football he had footballs sewn onto the front of the jerseys confuse the people in the team the rival team so they would never know actually where the football was so when they passed it they would see these footballs and they would be confused now he didn't break any laws because there was no specific law but it was not that he would uh, um, um, But he violated the the principle of fair play. Are you with me? And it's so often that we have a tendency in our human hearts to violate the principles of fair play. So we want rules where specific regulations and rules are written down so that we can know what to do and what not to do. Now some things are obvious, don't kill, that is that is just very clear from scripture, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't, you know, certain things. And if we do them there's prices to pay, um, I was at a school the other day uh, and the police were there and they were talking to the young people because they've got a... A section of the police that is interested in the youth and trying to steer them in the right way because of crime. So they said when you are caught doing something wrong, you get a new name. Your new name becomes suspect. And then the second name that you get is prisoner or accused. And the third name you get is prisoner. Because when you're in prison, they call you by your prison name, prisoner so-and-so number. So he was warning them. But so God doesn't just give us laws to obey, but He gives us principles. And Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, obviously they had many problems as a church. And he often scolded them for their behavior claiming that he had to talk to them like little children because they wanted rules for everything. And then, you know, because like children will be playing a game and then suddenly somebody will be shouting, but that's not fair. You've broken the rules. So parents understand the importance of rules. So when our children are old enough to stay at home by themselves, the parents lay out all kinds of rules for their kids to follow. Don't let anyone in. Don't use the oven. Don't have any friends over. Because like some of these movies that if you watch them when they have the friends over, everything just goes wrong in the house. And the bath overflows with foam and there's just chaos in the home, you know? But when young children are grown, You don't have to tell them what to do in every situation Because they have a sense of knowing what to do, they have principles that they live by and which they follow So as a parent we hope that by the time our kids are in the middle of their teenage years that the things that we have taught them are fixed in their hearts And they can live wisely without a lot of parental control. Amen. And that's the place where we want to come to. So, there are certain passages in 1 Corinthians that contain six principles that every Christian needs to put into practice. And the first principle is the principle of expediency. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12a All things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient. So how can you make up your mind whether or not a thing is right? First ask yourself, is this thing lawful? Amen. So immediately if you can answer that in a negative fashion, then you know this thing is not for me because it's not lawful, so you wouldn't do it because you know the consequences of unlawful acts. Amen. Is, is there any reason offered in God's word that says I shouldn't do it? So hopefully by the time we get to a place of some maturity, we more or less know pretty much things in God's Word that are already guiding our lives, right? Next, ask yourself, is it expedient? Expedient is an interesting word. It means bringing towards a destination. So what is the destination of every Christian? What is the goal of Christianity. So if we call ourselves Christians, we are disciples of Christ. So there's two things that we look at. The one is maturity. We're all moving towards maturity. And the other thing is we're all moving towards Christ-likeness. Right? That's what we want to be. We want to be more like Christ in our behavior, in our attitudes, in our motives, in the way that we say things to others right like i've been building recently and boy have i been tested Uh, builders are something else anyway but it's been an interesting couple of months so when we get the word expedition from it and use and use it when we talk about going on a journey. So you're going on a journey, so you have these God-given goals in your life. And the biggest goal, of course, is Christlikeness. that you want to be more like Jesus in every way, right? And so we need to be able to choose the things that are expedient to help us on this journey to become more Christ-like. So there's many things in our lives that we may have to say no to. Because it's going to rob us of being more godly. It's going to rob us of being a better husband. It's going to rob us of being a better wife. And so we choose things that take us to a different goal, which doesn't bring us closer to Christ. That doesn't make us a more loving person, are you with me? So if you have a particular problem in your heart with another person or other, um, other races or whatever, now regardless of the excuse, is it expedient? Does your excuse make you more Christ-like? Does it make you more loving? Does it bring you towards your goal? Like there were times when Jenny would say, the things that I'm doing are irritating her. Sorry, lovey, to use you as an example, but you're the best I got. (laughs) Excuse me. And, uh, and, And I would think about what I'm doing and I would think, but this is not sin. This isn't sinful. It's just that it she doesn't like it. So what am I gonna do? Wife submit? That doesn't work too well, believe me. Then I then I, I go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, help me to be more loving towards my wife, to be more understanding towards my wife, because that helps me on the goal towards being a better husband. Amen. Because there are things that the husband does and that the wife does or that children do that is not necessarily sinful but it just irritates you. And sometimes when uh, I believe that scripture says that you take the responsibility to change before you try and make somebody else change. You change. Because if you're constantly harping on about somebody else changing and becoming better, you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem because you're harping. Are you with me? Because sometimes you don't have a, a genuine reason to complain. It's just that you don't like it. Well, maybe you need to change, or I need to change, so that I can be better, but I take the responsibility for change in my life. I've told, probably time and time again, my dad was a bit of a difficult guy. He was very critical, and he would shoot down everything that I said or did as useless or stupid or whatever, And it wasn't very pleasant, growing up like that, because the one that you loved the most is the one that broke you down the most. And, at the end of the day, he hardly changed. Because he was old and so ingrained, but, by the grace of God, I changed and I was able to accept him and just love him and our relationship blossomed. But if I hopped on about what was going on it wouldn't have taken me to a, my, the destination of a good relationship with my father. I changed and then it was water on a duck's back. Are you with me? And because I wasn't hopping. He was better. Are you with me? If you're constantly criticizing somebody, they're always on the defensive. Are you with me? Big lesson. Anyway, I had a great relationship with my dad. Ask Jenny. It was wonderful. So you need to ask yourself on a regular basis, when faced with a decision in some kind of situation, asks if what you're doing now is either hindering you or helping you achieve your goal of Christlikeness. Is this thing expedient? Does it help me on my journey to become a better or more Christ-like person? Because the world is aiming at becoming a better person. The world has no advice for us too loud, sorry it's like when I'm out there in the tent meeting we shout, we stamp we spit but I realize, wrong audience so I believe that we should all have goals, that we should know where we're going Uh, Paul knew what he wanted to accomplish and he prayed that he might lay hold of that which God had called him everything that God did and one of the things that me and Jenny have always done is that we're pretty human but one of our goals in this life is, as part of being Christ like for us might be different for you is that all the decisions that we've ever made have been made in the light of the Great Commission will this decision that I'm making now Hinder me from fulfilling the great commission in my life. From reaching people. Will this strategy that I'm planning have an impact on the world around me? Are you with me? And so, we need to trust the Lord that we know where we are going. And then we make decisions in light of that. So sometimes we get in a situation we don't understand what's happening now but because we know where we're going we know what the goal of our life is to become more Christ-like then we know to make decisions that will bring us closer to that goal. Amen. And if we don't well God will forgive you and you'll just do it again. You know it'll come up again and you know it's like God has a has has a school it's called the school of the spirit and he's got grade 0 grade 1 grade 2 grade 3 grade 4 grade 5 grade 6 right up to university and so he takes you through these grades so when you become a born-again believer and you start from the bottom you're in grade naught and you start being taught the ways of God. You start being taught about the character of God, who God is and so on. You start understanding the Word of God and along the way, like in any school, there's a test. If you fail the test, you don't move up a grade. We're not like these worldly people in the government that just keep pushing you to the next level so they can get rid of you. No, 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 no. God God is really about your character, because that represents Christ-likeness in your life. So when he brings you to grade north, there will be tests. If you fail, you will go back and start again, and he will work your case, so that you can get to grade 1 and grade 2, and eventually, as you get up the grades, it becomes easier and easier for you to study and to do what you need to do. Because now you're starting to understand the teacher and the way that the system works. And God has a system that He uses in our lives to bring us to maturity, right? And that's what He wants from us. And so, in this life, sometimes you have people that are 70 years old and they are still a spiritual baby. How sad is that? Because they've never applied principles of obedience in their life so that they can grow in what God requests of them and what He wants from them. Okay, so once you know your goals, you have a better context for deciding what is expedient. The second principle. is the principle of enslavement? First uh, Corinthians six twelve continues: All things are lawful. Now, you know, lawful. Everything's lawful. There's many things that you can do, but is it good for you? Are you with me? You can watch TV till you're blue in the face. You can come home at 6 o'clock and go to bed at 12 o'clock at night and you watch TV for 6 hours, go to bed. But is it good for you? What does it do for you spiritually? Are you with me? I'm not saying avoid TV. I like watching TV. I like watching uh, action movies, uh, suspense movies. I like blue Bloods because it's got some really good principles in there. But all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And when Paul talks about the power of any, he's talking about enslavement. Is this thing that I'm doing, that I'm involved with, is it enslaving me? Because when you're enslaved in a certain area, it will always affect our spiritual lives. Are you with me? And so you don't want... You see, people talk about freedom. I want to be free to do anything. But if it robs you of anything in your spiritual life, you're not free. You're enslaved to something that stops you from reaching the full potential that Christ has for you in your life. Amen. So we need to think about that. So so at each time each each and every one of us were a slave to sin and when we received Christ as Lord and Saviour he set us free from being a slave to sin. Although we could still sin we also have the ability not to sin so there's no um, excuse to saying I just couldn't help it we sin because we want to sin I found that to be true in my own life and we need to Realize what that means. It means that I'm enslaved to something that draws me away From the Lord. Amen. And that can be anything. It can be a woman. It can be a man. It can be pornography uh, It can be you name it think about anything. It can be food. Some people are enslaved to food and the one thing that I've really appreciated about eating meat and vegetables most of the time I found that I don't need the sugar in my life. I was enslaved to sugar. And what did it do to me? (laughs) I I have a picture in my office, but I've taken it down now. Um, But there was a picture of me, I looked like a pregnant woman, nine months like this, with a stomach. And around that belly of mine, I drew a circle. And I said, you have to get rid of this Because that's not how I want to be And I was never like that and Then I would begin to use excuses like but I'm driving all the time Well, you do stop sometimes you can run you can do exercises you don't have to eat like burgers and chips everywhere you go and you know, comfort foods and that kind of a thing you can, my wife introduced me to nuts and I would eat nuts while I'm driving and it was like helpful, or I'd eat some fruit and instead of drinking coke I would drink like, a, like something else that's not so sugary and eventually I would just start losing weight Because I had a goal that I was going to and I didn't want to be enslaved to something in my life that was causing an issue, are you with me? So spiritually there's enslavements that we can find ourselves in and often it's because we like that particular enslavement and we're not always wanting to uh, 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 turn away from it. So the unsaved person is free to do as he wants. Because that is how an unsaved person thinks. He doesn't think in righteousness. He thinks about himself. So any pleasure or anything that he wants to do, he will do freely. So I always say to my Christian brothers and sisters, when you're at the office and this guy swears, and this guy acts like a pervert, he's only doing what his nature demands of him. He is unsaved. He cannot help himself. He is like that, but we expect him to live like Christians. They're not They're unsaved I mean, I meet many people that are coming and they swear like a sailor and It's like a flinch, you know But I realize this guy is lost as a goose And that's what he does And there's no law saying you can't swear in the office. And this is the law of decency. But just think about that. Some people don't care. Like my next door neighbours behind me. Ooh, no. It's like you mean I'm glad I can't see them, (laughs) but I can sure hear them. (coughs) It's not COVID. So no worry, if I cough all over you. So, Jesus has set us free from uh, sin and its consequences. And, uh, and you, can, you can be free. Um, and sometimes when we walk with the Lord, He sometimes sets us free. But the thing is, we set our minds back on those things. And we go back into enslavement of certain things. Because we still have a worldly mindset. We haven't allowed the Word of God to renew our minds. And so we need to trust the Lord. So what magazines do you read? Like some um, people are enslaved fashion and one of the sad things that I've noticed amongst many uh, Christian women is I've heard them say I want to look sexy where does that come from if you stand in front of the mirror and say I want to look sexy who's influencing you it's definitely not the Holy Spirit are you with me we're supposed to look modest. <coughs> modest. That's the Biblical standard, is modest. Not sexy. I, I was got some people on my Facebook that I was following a, a debate that they were having and they were saying the modern Christian woman must look and it was all pointing to sexy. I'm going no. So I made my put in my dingus there, and I noticed that the person who started the debate was wearing very nice, fashionable clothes, but it was more or less modest. Are you with me? And it seems that way to this day. So think about it. Are you enslaved? You can be enslaved to anything. Um, so you know we just need to look at that and then the principle of example. Now this is a, a bit of a, a, a tricky one and the power of example is extremely powerful in the lives of of those that are watching you. It's powerful for the people in the church who are looking at you as a spiritual leader or somebody at the workplace that looks at you as a Christian. What is your example like? That's really important. What does your worker say of you? I remember when I was pastoring a small church in Uis way back in the day. I had this uh, Elder or this woman that her husband was working at the at the at the there, and she said to me, Yemut an older cap. You must make my husband an elder in the church. I looked at him and I said, There's no way on God's earth I'm making this guy an elder in the church. Because when I go to the workplace. He is like a devil. The way that he treats his workers, the way that he swears, the way that he carries on. And there's nothing godly about this guy. And if you read the list about elders, he must be above approach. (laughs) This guy was just not an example. So under my watch, he never became an elder because he wasn't godly. His example, when you looked at him in any other place except in the church, was atrocious. And you know you have the, 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 the people, the, the, the Sunday saints, as you call them. On Sunday they're perfect. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But boy, when you get him at work, Not so much, you know, and that does affect. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, 8 to 13, he says, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse." but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak." So you may have a certain liberty in your life. You may have a certain freedom to do something. Like, I knew this in in the church that I was in, Clackstock, when I started my journey, there was this couple in the church The husband was a total wreck of an alcoholic. I was like, never seen anything like it. How a man could drink that much, get sick, stand up, drink some more, get sick, fall on the floor, get up, drink some more, and so on. But his wife insisted that she could drink. And she wouldn't stop drinking, knowing that her husband was like this. Do you understand? Her freedom, she wasn't an alcoholic. She could have a glass of wine, and that was it. But her freedom was a stumbling block to her husband. Because when he started, he couldn't stop. So there's certain things and certain company that you may enter at a particular time. And you need to be discerning to say, With these people, I cannot partake of something in which I am free to do, because it is a problem for them. Are you with me? And so, that's our example. So, Paul says, For if any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, Shall not the conscience of him who is which is weak be emboldened, emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols and through thy knowledge shall break the weak shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died but when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience you sin against Christ so we need to realize that when we become a stumbling block for somebody else in our behavior that we're actually sinning against the Lord because who is in that brother or that sister? Jesus is in that brother and that sister. And so we need to be careful how we behave in certain contexts. Amen. So if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So sometimes we need to stop doing certain things so that we're not a stumbling block. Are you with me? This thing of, oh, but I'm free. Of course you're free. You're free not to do that thing. That's freedom. But if you insist on freedom, you're not free. Because now it's my will be done and not a care about anybody else. Are you with me on this? It's a hard truth. It's like Brother Lucas, Pastor Lucas has been talking about respectable sins. That's the problem with us is that we have so many respectable sins in our lives that we don't even know what it is to be a stumbling block to someone. We don't care about anybody else and how they feel and what's going on in their lives. It's like for instance, somehow I'm privileged to go on holiday um, and do things because of my travels and so on and see things that that other people will never see in their lifetimes. I don't spend hours belaboring the fact that I'm such a privileged person I can see all this stuff because I can see if I do that what they feel like. And it causes envy in their lives and it causes jealousy in their lives and it causes things in their lives, a resentment in their lives that they can't do that stuff. So sometimes it's better to be quiet about some of the privileges that you might experience as a Christian because of the work that you do, because it's a stumbling block for somebody else. Are you with me on that? And so we need to it is basically it's called loving one another in a realistic and in a practical way so we don't want to rule people's consciences so Paul was living in Corinth at the time when he was uh, when he noticed and saw all these things and they were practicing idol worship And the idol worshippers would sacrifice sheep and goats and then go and sell the meat at the market. And so the meat was good. It was sold cheaply at the market and so it appealed to many. And so they would go and buy it. So some Christians who had freedom thought it was good stewardship to go and buy this meat. Instead of going and buying the more expensive meat, they would go and buy this meat. So for them it wasn't physically contaminated and it was inexpensive. But others felt it wrong to eat the meat because it had been used in what amounted to devil worship. Are you with me? So the Christians in Corinth started fighting about this and they asked, for, asked Paul for a rule. So Paul wrote to them instead of offering them a hard and fast rule, He gave them a principle so Paul explained that no Christian would be better or worse for the eating of the meat the food wouldn't change their lives but he did bring up the principle of example don't do anything that would make you a stumbling block to another Christian so the question always and it's not always like that But sometimes you come in a situation where you do need to ask, will this be a stumbling block to this person, this family, or this situation? Will it mar my testimony before these people? And wow, I really want to iterate this. If you can do this properly, and this become a lifestyle, you are free. But if you are only free to do your will, you are not free. You're in bondage because you're in bondage to yourself and you don't care what effect your decisions have on other people are you with me got to think about this this thing like when i started reading this stuff in the beginning it was like a like a head teaser time up hope not i'm a long-winded preacher Anyway, so So, Paul was saying if the practice was really bothering a brother, why do it? Paul wanted the people of Corinth to see that neither side was more spiritual. So whether you did or whether you didn't, it was okay. Okay. Both sides thought they were better than the other. They had That they had more knowledge and deeper insight into the issue than the other. So Paul warned them in 1 Corinthians 8.1 that knowledge puffeth up but charity edifieth. Is what I'm doing edifying a brother or sister in a certain situation? So The thing is, don't let your head run away with your heart, are you with me? In some circumstances, because you know, it's better to work with your heart because you want to love someone and edify them, but not at the expense of truth. These things, some things are, are you with me? Okay. So the question is always will it hurt me or could it hurt others and then the issue of alcohol always comes up i mean it seems to be everywhere i go this question comes up um is it wrong to have a drink socially well you go to some of the black churches that i've been in you drink you are unsafe So you don't, I don't talk about alcohol. I don't drink for their sake. Uh, in certain public spaces I will not touch it. I will not have it. I don't think there's any wrong with having a beer. But I do know that it's a stumbling block to many. So is it an issue if I stop drinking to edify somebody else? No. and so on, so you need to think about that and then the principle I've got to hurry now, my wife says, time's up you know, there's a a preacher that took his watch off and put it on the pulpit like this and he said, do you know what it means when I put my watch there? they said what? he said nothing anyway the principle of edification. 1 Corinthians 10.23 gives us another principle. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. And to edify means to build up. We use the word edifice to refer to a fine building. Paul says that everything you do is either building you up or tearing you down. So before you engage in an activity, ask yourself what is the result that this will likely have. Will this build this brother up or break them down? Every film you watch, is it an edifier or a destroyer? I mean like some people go through a film and, hey man, some of these movies, I start a movie and I switch it off after five minutes because it's just like, but some of them use the F word and they use the name of Jesus in the same sentence and it just like drives me insane you know Um, and and that doesn't edify me at all and if we can sit through the whole movie and we have others weaker Christians sitting with you do you think that you're not going to give them an excuse to sin have you edified your brother or your sister or your children some people don't care what they watch they don't care what their children watch they don't stop it I was talking to Ishmael my long time friend and uh, was a disciple of mine for a number of years and he says they don't even give their children cell phones and the girl is 13 well good for them because cell phones lead to all kinds of mischief and so on and that's what they experienced so let's just be careful that we exalt and then we have the principle uh, I mean uh, edify Do I edify people rather than tear them down? And lastly, the principle of exaltation. Continue reading in 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So you always ask yourself, is this what I'm doing? Is it bringing glory to God? Are you with me? And that's pretty simple, Um, because the greatest thing that we want to do in our lives is to exalt Christ and to exalt God, amen, and godly living. So we need to ask that question, um, in all that I do, does it glorify God? Uh, And so on. So the question we ask ourselves, uh, is God glorified by what I'm doing? Uh, Do I dress to God's glory? Uh, The question you would ask now, if Jesus was here to escort you, would you wear the same dress that you would normally wear? I mean, if you put Jesus now in the picture, ask him if he'd be happy. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes when we play around and just mess around as young people, and some of the actions that we do in certain circumstances, does that glorify God? You know? So, I men if. If Christ were in the circle, would I tell the same story? There's certain things that if Jesus was been I wouldn't tell a certain joke or a certain thing or talk in a certain way. So Paul wants us to remember the principle of exaltation. So everything you do reflects on God. Amen. Let's exalt His name. Finally, the principle of evangelism. Finally, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, 33, Give no one offense, neither to Jew, nor to Gentile, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Am I living a lifestyle that people would look at me and say, I would want to follow Christ. Are you with me? Um, So if anything I do that keeps me from bringing others to Christ then it's wrong. Paul said he didn't want to offend the Jews. It's like we're going to Zanzibar now and Jenny's asking questions about how we should dress like I've been to Morocco, and uh, it's a pretty conservative Muslim country, although it's more liberal than most. But most of the women wear longs, and everything's closed up from here. to the, You can't see their ankles, you can't see their wrists, and they're attractively dressed. Are you with me? And so on. So uh, Jenny's asking the pastor there, what would you advise for us to wear as ladies during the conference and our time there so we're not stumbling blocks? i've seen europeans rock up uh, in morocco with little pants on like this and little tops vests just walking around as if they're in europe and then if they get into trouble, they're wondering, well, what's wrong with these people? No, what's wrong with you? That you don't consider somebody else in their culture. Are you with me? So I'm really proud of my wife for wanting to find out about how to be in that certain situation. You know, the scripture always teaches us, well, the principle we learned in YWAM was, come in the opposite spirit. So if they, if you're in a very liberal place, come with modesty. Don't think, yeah, it's like you go to Mauritius and you see all these South African tunnies lying topless on the beach. They think now no, nobody's there to watch them, they can do what they want. But when the men stare at them, they get upset. But they're coming in the same spirit as the world. They wouldn't do it here. But when they go there out of sight, they, it's totally different. Are you with me? And so we lear- need to learn that for us to be able to do effective evangelism there's a certain way that we need to live. Uh, In 1 Timothy, Paul talking to young men, he says, Let young men live with dignity. Are you with me? Young men treat other girls as sisters. How do you treat your sister? Some young men don't treat other girls like their sisters. We treat you as sisters, with respect. And all that goes with that. Because it helps us in our outreach. And the problem with the world is if we dress and act and everything like them thinking that we're going to reach all these people, what do they say? They say, but you're just like us. You have no impact. Are you with me? So all of these principles that we've been looking at today are to help us live out our Christian testimony. At home in the workplace because we want to be more like Christ and we need to stop looking for loopholes to say that we're free when we look for loopholes we are not free amen let's pray father sometimes your word is challenging and it's not often we hear these things from the pulpit And so we pray that you would reveal yourself to us and help us to think about these things as we go about our day-to-day lives and our testimony in the world in which we live. And we trust you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.